Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and murder cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 66. Woo! Woo! Two-thirds the sign of the beast. Mm. <laughs> is that, is that how, I'm not sure that's how maths actually works. I don't think that any of the episode maths that we've ever said works, but let's go with it. I'm not We're sure. 66 years old. 66 <laughs> is two-thirds of 666. Exactly. No, that's how it works. That's how, okay, that's how maths works. We'll go with that. I wonder if there is a podcast that's reached 666 episodes. I'm sure there is. That's only, what, yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> so six, six, six years is that more mass what six six years ish six oh, bloody hell six years of a podcast imagine if we did this for six years oh god no we'd be dead by then. <laughs> i mean we love you people but we'd have to diversify you'll all be dead by but we, then. we don't love each other that much no 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 no, no, no. we'll have moved on <laughs> we'll have moved on absolutely we'll have found new podcast hosts that'll never be the same again no we <laughs> promise we wouldn't we wouldn't leave you my darlings uh how are you nick i'm all right i'm hot i'm too hot it's hot <laughs> I don't like it. It's melty hot. Last week it was cold and rainy and I'm not happy about that either. Nope. Today it's too hot. We can't find a balance for you, can we? It's like more. Yes, it's a heat wave in England. It's not a it's heat like, wave. It's not a heat wave. It's like it's, it's like 23 degrees and everyone's going, my God. It's the normal temperature it's for It's the June. hottest it's ever been in the history of the world. I must take all my clothes off and drink all the beer. You can't move for people running around with soleros and calypsos and with their shirts off and downing jugs of Pims and Copperberg. Like it's no tomorrow. You know what, you'll all regret it <laughs> we don't cope well with the heat i like the heat i went for my first sea swim this morning mm, look at me check me out 8 a.m mm. down there got in and went god this is cold invigorating then had a great nap it's been a great invigorating day invigorating as you were chased by crabs and oysters <laughs> around do, do oysters chase you yes they do <laughs> especially the whistable ones they're vicious bastards famous for vicious bastards we don't really know because you dredge them up from the uh, from the seabed don't you but for all you know in the sea they're just after people constantly they're after people yeah. absolutely oh right well uh, any poisonings this week no no you're sure well mm? i don't think so it has been terribly hot <laughs> How would you I poison don't. someone with heat? Mm. Just poison their Copperbergs. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes poison, poison their cans of Stella and Copperbergs. And Pims. I hate Pims. I have to say, I do not like Pims. So. I hate Pims I as hate well. Pims. I, so, no drink has been improved by the addition of salad. So 
poison all the pims i'm all up for that okay then well that's something we'll work on you don't even need to poison it you just need to serve them pims and we can judge them yes harshly cool well speaking of judging people for drinking and uh, <laughs> just random shirtless people in parks i think it's time for us to thank our patreon subscribers yeah, i'm not entirely sure they're shirtless people in parks you know well, you never know well do tell us patreons <laughs> thank you so much to jessica Howell. thank you jessica i think that's how you said it Howell. Howell, i would say Howell. 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 but however you say it thank you and you're getting a lot of attention this week <laughs> <laughs> yes you're getting lots because you're our little patron subscribe this week you. yay we well love done. you the rest of you if you have not joined patreon you are missing out people we've had a great time we've been talking about werewolves this week yes, indeed. we've cracked a lot of theories about that so you need to join us on patreon to find out what the whole werewolf thing is about the whole of it we, we, we've sold werewolves basically um it's we have yeah, it's it's done dusted there shall never need to be another episode on any podcast ever about werewolves because we have covered a lot don't even worry about it so if you don't listen to it then you're lacking aren't you you'll have no tools to equip yourself with for all those werewolf attacks for the resurgence of the trend of werewolves that, that there shall be <laughs> there that that shall be has been foretold <laughs> well nick hello are you ready nope did drink cocktails and talk about poison yes or nope we could drink poison and talk about cocktails nope what if I put some pims <laughs> next to some strychnine? Ooh, Which ooh, one would you go that would for? Be a, that would be a tricky one. I have to say, that would be a tricky one. I don't know if I can honestly tell you the answer to that at the moment. Well, should we go with the first one? Let's go with a, a non-pims-based cocktail. We're going to go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. My story this week. But as we've established, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly tell a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, each week we pick a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell that will flavour our cocktail of the week. So my pick, and today's secret ingredient is walnuts. See, that's a good secret ingredient. It is, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good, I like that. It's a, it's a good, solid secret ingredient. It's an ingredient. As opposed to the other the other two that you suggested, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> um, can, I, can I say what the other options were? Yes, you can. So we had toes. Toes mm, was one mm. ingredient, of which I'm not familiar, apart from that place in Canada. That has a toe in a bottle of liquor. Yeah, see, there you go. Why don't you ring them up? <laughs> Get them to send me a couple of shots of that. Just a couple of shots and to pay for all the postage. And go, don't worry, guys, we'll give you a shout out on this obscure podcast. Yeah, so there's that. Or the other one was brains. Yes. Brains. And I would say walnuts look a little bit like brains. I would go with that. Yes, I hadn't put those two together. But yeah, I go with that. Match made in heaven. So with walnuts then as yes. your ingredient, what have you come up with? So with walnuts as this ingredient, we... We are going to have a cocktail we have not, I've not had before, a Roosevelt number two. A Roosevelt number two? A Roosevelt number two. I don't know what the Roosevelt number one is like, but we're going to have a number two. Oh, right. Is that like Teddy and FDR? I'm assuming it is named for some such reason, yes. Nice. Roosevelt number two. Oh, it's like Troll two. There is no Troll one. Uh, okay, that's, that's, that sounds elegant. It sounds yeah. sophisticated. It was named after some, some good presidents. Were they good? I don't know. Yes. Again, showing my <laughs> yes. ignorance of American politics. I think the Roosevelt's are in kind of safe territory there. You know, they were fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not like William Henry Harrison. He died in 30 days. 
Ooh, look at you and your... I've no doubt that knowledge came from The Simpsons somehow. 100%. It is the song about the mediocre presidents from the school play. How did I know that was coming? Uh, And that is very good quiz knowledge. And because of The Simpsons, I now can name a lot of US presidents who are quite obscure. Anyway, it's not him. Anyway, moving on. It's nothing to do with him whatsoever. Nothing to do with him. Roosevelt number two. We'll work out which one came first. I am ready for a cocktail because it's hot and I haven't drunk anything. Nick has, as ever, delivered me a bottle of secret ingredients so i think it is time for us to go into our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm so we'll see you in a minute we'll see you in a bit and we're back hello roosevelt number two two. now this is very 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 brown this is very very dark this This is the brownest of all the brown drinks we've ever had this is practically black this is the brownest of brown things ever called brown that's that's upsetting but but let's go with it now i did last week request something refreshing and lovely and sprightly i'm sensing this is going to be well it better damn well be delicious whatever it is you didn't give me great options for that did you brains was not bright and sprightly (laughs) have you ever eaten brains in your travels I have actually. Oh my god, what? I have eaten calves brains. <gasps> uh, uh. Tell me the calf was dead. Yes, entirely cooked, <laughs> not not raw. It wasn't some sort of like random Hannibal Lecter thing going on there. Oh my god, what was it like? What were calves brains like? Because it was all it was cooked, so <laughs> I didn't think they just carved it chewy off. Chewy <laughs> and slightly rubbery. Does it have a taste? Well, it was with like spices and stuff like that, so it was had all lots oh. of other stuff in there that flavoured it, and it made it taste very nice. But uh, I've, I've not just had it just a brain by itself. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be quite the delicacy. Eat this entire brain. Why? Well, I don't know. Just, just do, do it. it. Oof, I don't know if I can manage brain. I, I, I'll eat anything, and I've tried everything that's been put in front of me, mostly. Apart from that. Apart from that, no. No one's given me a brain to try. I want a whole brain on a plate. <laughs> I prefer to think of it that way. <laughs> anyway, it's not brains. Anyway, there's, there's no brains involved in we this We didn't one. go with that. We went with walnut. Roosevelt number two. So very brown, very dark. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah, oh so God. am I. What have you so done? What have you done nick okay so shall we okay a little sniff oh it smells boozy oh it smells intriguing oh i like that it's like oh it's almost Christmassy. oh what what's 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 all this then what's going on here then hey what's going on here what's all this then (laughs) okay well i think we should dive in and taste it yeah i'm intrigued by this i'm really excited i don't know why okay right (laughs) cheers 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 merry christmas (laughs) oh okay that's strong it's strong yeah absolutely Oh. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. That has a roller coaster of flavours almost. It really does. It really does. It's really strong. There's a really harsh not 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 bad harsh, but strong alcohol. It's certainly potent. The, in the middle, in the that's the only way I can describe it. You first sip, you're like, oh, oh, alcohol. And then in the middle, there's a hint of Christmas. I don't know why I think it's Christmas. It's like spice or something. And then it sort of fades out into nah, just more alcohol. I'm very uh, um, that's it, that's really interesting. Oh, the second sip is better. Mm. It's like a cake, but not too <laughs> sweet. Oh, I don't know what this is. Do I guess? Or... Well, no, so you know the rules by now. Stop changing the bloody rules. No, there are, there has never been a rule that I have to guess. That's just you going, I've decided it's a thing. That's not how rules are made. That's how rules are made. That's how laws are made and passed in this country. I've decided that's a thing, <laughs> and we've been doing that for a long time, so that's what we're doing now. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna, because now you're making Go up rules, then. I'm making up my own, goddammit. So I think the walnut in this comes from a gift that I got you, which is black, I think it's black, but walnut bitters. 
and you are absolutely correct yay and you can smell it obviously bitters you can get all sorts of bitters you can flavor your cocktail with and i overheard nick once saying oh i really want to try walnut bitters and i was like ha 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 christmas present other than that better not be bloody cognac <laughs> you know what you're saying it came so close to being cognac <laughs> but i thought no, i like I cognac but i'm like no i can't i do can't do it again i can't do it again i'm thinking it might be bourbon you're not a million miles away it's a rye a rye so there's a rye in there is there a red vermouth in there your favorite there's thing not, in the world but there's there's not but again you're in you're very very close we have sherry Ooh, sherry we have quite a sweet which i think maybe is where you're getting the spicy christmasy thing from that is because i'm getting hints of the spice the aromatics from the bitters and sherry and that goes in a cake a christmas so, yeah. cake okay what else am i missing then so angostura bitters as well oh two two so two sets two, of two sets of bitters and then yeah then it's just rye sherry and bitters oh bloody hell yes that that's, that's it so yeah i mean it's, it's strong I mean, there's a lot of it we've had a, a run recently of really small strong drinks next week <laughs> i am going to break out for, into something more citrusy and light need to get back to there again yes we need to get into a long summary drinks we've, we've had a lot of brown <laughs> <laughs> this is not a summary drink but again one for the cocktail aficionados and i'm sorry to everyone who's going god damn it i have to buy walnut bitters but it is really good it's good though it is good yeah i like it. much prefer that to the to the cognac ones nothing against cognac but they're they're almost too strong and they dominate the flavors whereas that oh it's complex it's it's saucy i like it first time i've used the bit the walnut bitters and i'm really surprised how much of a difference it makes how strongly it comes across it's really tasty from like two dashes I did not think it would be quite as strong as it is, but it's lovely. I really like it. Yeah. I always worry that when I know what's in there, it's psychosomatic. Like the other week when I swore blind, there was creme de cacao in it. And you went, no, there isn't. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, whatever. That's a complex proper. That's a grown-ups cocktail. That is a good cocktail, mm-hmm. that one. A few other people on the on the social mentioned, there's a uh, Nasi, Nosino or something. It's, it's a walnut liqueur. Yes. Yes, there is. There are a few good cocktails you can make with that. I mean, you can make an old-fashioned with that, which I really want to try, but I couldn't get any time, unfortunately. But it may be one that I buy just for the cabinet because I think it'd be really interesting to have. Okay. Well, it's Roosevelt number two, worthy of FDR himself. <laughs> I did look it up. Excellent. Well done. Wonderful. Well, with the Roosevelt number two firmly in hand. Ah, oh, sophisticated, delicious. Are you ready for a story? I would love a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've drunk everything in your cabinet, I, I think. I am. I'm feeling <laughs> I'm, I, have a, I have a warming thing going on. So either I'm going to shout a lot or I'll be asleep. Feel free to shout a lot. Don't fall asleep. It is a long one. <laughs> well, for a sophisticated drink, we have a, an intriguing story. Now, this was one hadn't heard of opened the internet and that the internet exploded at me (laughs) of just what the hell where has this guy been all my life yes today we are telling the tale of a criminal with one great big juicy brain nick (laughs) wonder where that was going then (laughs) not someone many people may have heard of today but considered a gentleman killer and maybe one of the most intelligent serial killers in history i am very intrigued we are telling the tale of edward roloff I see. Now I feel foolish for not knowing who that is. Well, a lot of people don't know, but this is a big story. There are some excellent resources out there. Some people will already have heard of a couple of other podcasts that have covered this story, and I will recommend them at the end because there are amazing resources and stories to listen to. But here is our take on it. So the story of Edward Roloff. So he was actually born John Edward Rolofson in New Brunswick in Canada in uh-huh. 1819. Ooh, okay. Family of German descent. I love the way you're just getting in with a ooh, ooh. ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Rolofson family appeared to be steady and comfortable. Edward's father died when he was young. But his mother, his mother was a big influence in his life. Very, very intelligent woman. Incredibly intelligent. Incredibly well-read. Education and intelligence are of the up 
utmost importance to this family from day one. Edward and his two brothers would show great promise at school, particularly in languages, in Edward's case, the understanding, the study of language itself. And it was very important to the family to be well-read, to excel. Fair enough. I should note the school that they went to was pretty brutal actually, in terms of yeah, the teaching, but the uh, the old punishments. I think many of them were at that point. I think there was a lot of beating and caning and... Oh, a lot. Guillotines and all that sort of thing the going on. Guillotines? What? Very dramatic. <laughs> they cut kids' heads off. Yep, absolutely. Three late homeworks, off with the head. Exactly. Edward and his two brothers endured a lot of corporal punishment for the teachers. There was one incident where one of his younger brothers was beaten by the teacher with his own fists. He just literally was punching the kid to the ground. Nice. Savage beating. The teacher would later apologise. <laughs> well, that's all right then. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. These experiences, yeah, probably did stay with, uh, with Edward for some time. But more than anything, Edward wants to become a respected academic. He's definitely bright. He shows promise. He wants to be a gentleman He at university, he would later say himself. But he runs into trouble in this area because his uncle, who was in charge of the family finances after his father has died, refuses to give him money for well, university really. tuition. In his opinion, he needs a practical trade. He needs to be out there working, none of this book malarkey. None of that reading nonsense. None of that, none of that. But without money, he cannot possibly go and have an academic career. And Edward is crestfallen and this affects him deeply and he is somewhat enraged, <laughs> let's say. Deep down, bubbling, I Fair don't know. Enough. It means that in his late teens, he has to take on menial jobs in a, <gasps> a dry goods store. My God, people who work in shops? Oh my God. Scum of the earth. <laughs> Don't you work in a shop, yeah. Nick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, scammer. <laughs> yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> you work at a giant dry goods store. It's very dry because it's all furniture, but they're goods. Apart from when the roof leaks, then they get damp. No, why do you work there, Nick? Well, I'm not sitting under the drip. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it does make it sound like you you work in a shed somewhere, and you have a system of the rotor. Who's sitting under the drip today? Me. <laughs> he works in a dry goods store with normal dry goods. Oddly enough, this dry goods store. Uh, mysteriously catches on fire. Well, their goods are very dry. They are. What they needed is some wet goods to counteract <laughs> the dry goods. <laughs> to throw... To, I was going to say porridge on it. Why did I say porridge? <laughs> the drip had leaked into the oats and there's porridge. Nah. <laughs> the dry goods store catches fire. Several times. <laughs> it catches fire once. The store is relocated. It catches fire again. The store is relocated. They keep moving it like two paces down the street. And when it's finally relocated, it doesn't catch fire again. Well done. But things go missing. Things are going missing. Um, um, no one ever suspects Edward. Edward is a young, decent man. He is educated. He doesn't look crazy. He's not the type. It wasn't until he started strutting around wearing a suit made out of cloth that had been stolen from the store that <laughs> eyebrows were raised. Yeah, I mean, that's not a good plan. If you're going to steal stuff, don't wear the stuff you've stolen to the shop you've stolen it from. Well, we can probably assume this is a bit of a two fingers up, that he was probably thinking he'd be caught for the arson. And I do imagine a real zoot suit in the 1800s for this. <laughs> so Edward would be convicted of theft at age of 20, and he would spend two years in prison. Mm. Not a great start to life, but this is just minor in Edward's story. It's part of his life that most people don't even know about. On his release, he decides to ditch Canada. He's going to head to upstate New York and he's going to use a new name. He was born John Rolofson. He's going to be Edward Roloff. Okay. He's in New York. He's going to leave his criminal past behind. He's going to have a new persona, a new life. He would wind up in Dryden, a very nice community in upstate New York. Lots of rural families, good, honest country folk. When he's there, he establishes himself as a schoolteacher and a botanical doctor. 
Nice, nice. Nice, yes. Herbs, herbs and flowers. He studied with a local, he would call it himself, a quack. Himself acknowledges later on that these teachings are tenuous at best. The guy who's teaching him is a quack, but it is known as a respectable profession. People want botanical doctoring. It will allow him to earn a wage while he continues his plan to create this career, this career ahead of him as an academic. He wants to become a philologist. Okay. That's the head... No, that's phrenology. That's phrenology, isn't it? Yeah. Phrenolo- phrenology, this is philology. Philology. That's oh. the study and structure of language. So, yeah, pulling apart language and the origins. It was really interesting. Good, yeah, good subject. So, while he's in Dryden, his fates turn when he meets William Schutt, a member of a very respected country family in the area, and he meets him in 1843, and he eventually winds up meeting his teenage sister, Harriet. She's young, she's honest, pretty, and the two would fall in love. Oh. I say fell in love. It's more okay. of a... There's not really much of a courtship. I mean, technically, he's her teacher. Oh, that's less good. She's about 16 around this time. She's of age. It's not really a traditional courtship. There's not, like, lots of romance and flowers. It's a decision, really, that the two would like to marry each other. He's a good match. He's respectable. He's educated. He's got a good job. Edward's certainly keen on this impressionable young thing. The whole family are a little unsteady about Edward. He seems unstable, even though he presents himself as this respectable, educated man. He's liable to change from being calm and passive to suddenly being very passionately furious and intense at the slightest imagined slight against Um, him. That's not what you want. Fiercely jealous, fiercely jealous of any man who so much as looks at Harriet. And he makes disparaging, condescending remarks about the simple country family his fiancée has come from. Oh, no, none of that. And it's a big family. It's a close family. But Harriet wouldn't hear a word against it and the family could not dissuade her from a match. You know what it's like if you're a teenager and you say, that boy's no good for you. We're going to run off to his place. Absolutely. Yeah, well, indeed. Yeah. But I love him. He just needs me to help us get his shit together. (laughs) I can fix him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for Harriet, he's fixed up. He's, yeah, this is exactly what she'd want. The family are able to ask for references on his character. Nice. They would like Edward to provide references. Edward refused. Dreadfully offended. How dare they? Well, not not a very good character that I feel. Never get any character references they never get any indication of where he has come from anything of his past probably a good thing from his point of view but there's little they can do if harriet wants to wed him and so the couple are married on new year's eve in Mm. 1834 a winter wedding on the shut farm but even on the wedding day we see signs of edward's worrying levels of jealousy (laughs) okay okay it's your wedding day Hmm. People are going to congratulate you and the bride. Generally, that's what happens. He is quietly enraged anytime anyone comes near the bride. He's standing in the background, glaring at any man who goes near her. No. <laughs> Particularly, his, his vitriol is aimed at a cousin of the family. I believe he was actually a cousin. He's a local doctor called Dr. Bull. He was certain that Dr. Bull was trying to steal his wife. That he was bedding every woman in the Schutt family. In his head, it's infidelity. They have something going on between mm. them. On the wedding day, he's even furious at the priest. <laughs> this man has issues. He does. And he's <laughs> chastising Harriet quietly in the background. It's not a good start to a marriage. and not. It doesn't go any better. Edward's violent temperament emerges quickly. He begins beating his wife. Yeah, he's chastising her. He's accusing her of planned infidelities. Eventually, he moves them away um, to another county, Lansing, in New York. 
citing that the whole shop family are a bad influence on her but even after the move he can't he can't get them out of his head he still remains unstable some of the lesser nasty things he does but still beautifully dramatic <laughs> he would fly into a room where harriet is and he would dramatically pack a bag in front of her and announce that he was leaving and flounce out but then he would come back again <laughs> oh dear i think she's just chopping <laughs> vegetables like all right mate. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> yeah, he would also get her wedding dress and scrunch it up in front of her so she couldn't use it to marry Dr. Bull. He's a, this is a crazy man. He was obsessed with the idea she was going to run away with Dr. Bull. More distressing, Harriet's sister was present on one occasion where Edward, so controlling he was of his wife, he was watching her grind pepper with a pestle and mortar and he was critical of it to the point where he took up the heavy pestle. He struck her in the face with it. That's mm, mm, she staggers mm. back, shaken and angry. Edward is instantly apologetic, but this is just a taste of what is to come. Yeah, he has some issues there. I feel. Mm, yes. Mm. On another occasion, the couple are away on a boarding house on a vacation, and they are heard rowing loudly in their room over some slight that has happened with the family again. The landlady hears Harriet crying out that Edward is trying to force them both to drink poison. Mm -hmm. He says that this is going to put an end to their troubles and he hit his wife so hard she fell to the floor. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's not a good sign. It's not a happy honeymoon. No, really not. No, and Harriet does nothing. What can she do? What can she do? She's not going to run away. She's going to stay with him. She's a good, she's young. She's naive. She's Christian. She's not going to dishonour her marriage vows. And she wants to make this work. And soon after, the couple give birth to a baby girl, Priscilla, named for his mother. And this seems to create a, a small period of calm between the couple. Good. But not within the family. Edward continues to mutter about his hatred of the Shutt family, even to members of the family itself. (laughs) There are a lot of testimonies from the Shutt family descendants. There's a lot of uh, claims about the sort of stuff that he would say around them. Maybe you take with a tiny pinch of salt, because Mm. how would anyone not turn around and punch him in the face? But he's vocal about Harriet's brother William conspiring against them. And maybe the Shutts are thinking, okay, melodramatic Edward, there's always someone who wants a bit of drama, or that they know we've got to tolerate this guy because he's Harriet's husband. Mm. But there maybe should have been more cause for concern when the family entrusted Edward to help care for sickly sister Amelia, William's wife, and their baby daughter, Emile. Mother and child had been ill from some time with a nasty cough. Edward and Harriet come to visit the family and the family ask for Edward's help as he is a botanical doctor. Can you Mm -hmm. help to treat Amelia and the baby? And Edward, of course, obliges and feeds Amelia and the baby girl some herbs from his medical, in inverted commas, bag. (laughs) I'm sure it is a medical bag. Medical bag, absolutely. But far from being helpful, mother and daughter quickly deteriorate. There are reports of the baby convulsing after the medicine is given to her. Mm. And mother and baby die within two days of each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's speedy work. Now, Edward shows little remorse. He's very much of like, people die, people die. Mothers and babies die. And they do. They do at that time. Families still do not suspect him of murder. Why not? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, put two and two together, people. Again, reports from some of the Shutt family descendants. The stuff that he said at this time is that he's sitting there muttering in some armchair going, oh, you'll cry over many more children. Oh, like balls he did. That and saying, oh, who will be next? A, A, A. Apparently he's saying that, but no one's going arrest him. No. I'm, I'm less convinced by that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's hyperbole that you know he he said all these things and later on, but certainly, certainly the deaths there are yeah. were later suspected of Edward. Maybe they just died of natural causes, whatever happened. But the final straw came when Edward asked Harriet to move again. This time he wants her to go to Ohio. This is in June 1845. He's going to get 
get a job at an academy there. Oh, this is his chance to become an academic that he wants to be. He's going to give up this quack career. But Harriet is resolute. She will not leave New York. That's quite a distance from family and everything. That's a long way. She loves her family. She's sick of this marriage as it is. And while she's really trying, she is not having it. She does not want to move the baby and her all the way Mm. to Ohio. This is the only time that she would put her foot down with Edward. Good for her. Edward did not like her stance. She's going to ruin everything. And allegedly he begins to scream profanities at her and threatens that he will take the child from her. As she picks up the child in the ensuing row, Edward picks up once again the heavy pestle, strikes her hard over the head and cracks her skull. The next day, Hmm. Edward goes to his neighbour. And he asks his neighbour to lend him a horse and carriage as he has a large trunk. Very large, very large, big. Very large. Big sort of trunk. wife-shaped trunk. Wife, wife-sized wife trunk, yes. He needs to send the trunk off to his wife or his uncle or something like that. Uh, they've got on holiday for some reason. And he's like, okay, have my wagon. This is weird. And he loads up the wagon with a trunk along with allegedly something in a small sack or pillowcase. Yeah, I know. I knew that was coming. And he heads off in the direction of uh, Cayuga Lake, the opposite direction of which he said his wife had left in. So the neighbours watching his wagon go, going, I really hope that wagon comes back. It's my whole livelihood. <laughs> yeah, indeed. He returns later with the cart and the empty trunk, now empty, very light it is, announces he's leaving town for a few days. Goodbye. <clears throat> the house he just leaves and the house is a mess and all of Harriet's things are still inside it. How odd. Hmm. Mm. So it doesn't take long for Harriet's family to start panicking. Where is Harriet? They have not heard from her in weeks. Why has the house been abandoned? They managed to track Edward down and he says, oh, Harriet left me. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Right. Without telling anyone. Without telling anyone. Oh, but then, no, actually, she came back and now we're living together in Ohio. So it's fine. Right. Yes. And the family go, okay, why are all of her things still in the house? So Edward obviously runs away. (laughs) runs runs across america what else could you do bounces from county to county running away fleeing but he is relentlessly tracked down by harriet's brother ephraim good name good 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 country names and he is brought to ithaca in new york to stand trial for murder Mm. the lake he was seen driving to is searched for bodies but they are never found Mm. and if you don't have a body how can you accuse someone of murder yes, in this day and age? Yes, very true, very true. What are we going to do here? Well, the jury think, we'll try him for kidnapping instead. Yes, yes, that works. We still don't know where she is, but mm, she's gone, definitely. So in 1846, Edward conducts his own defence. Oh, why am I not surprised? <laughs> it's, just, it's not enough evidence to convict him, but the jurors feel very, very differently. And Edwards is sentenced to 10 years hard labour in Auburn prison for abduction. And he serves that time. Okay. But while in prison, Edward remains resolute that he's going to continue to study, to learn, to write his masterpiece, a manuscript on the origins of language. Origins of all language. All language. It's an ambitious topic, I feel. I'm I'm not kidding. Yes. (laughs) He has high expectations of himself. He's pretty sure Um, he's worked it all out. He's read a few things. He's worked out, I know where all of language came from. (laughs) Going, it's the Greeks, that was it. Like, what about Latin? Shut up. (laughs) His intelligence and apparent respectability yet again grant him a few favours. He's allowed to teach other prisoners and staff and students while in jail. A decade later, and Edward is ready to leave prison, start his life all over again. the day of his release he is informed that the shut family and a lot of the wider community around there they're still not happy with him yeah 
there's going to be another charge of murder Ooh. brought to him, this time by the county. I think the first one was a local charge. Now they're going to try and do it through the county. A little bit complex, but he insists that's double jeopardy. You can't try me for the same thing twice. They said, fine, we'll try you for your daughter's murder instead. <laughs> no. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Nice. <laughs> so a fresh case is mounting up. Ed was going to stay in jail. Tales of his lies and his violence. And yeah, probably his criminal past is going to mm. come out. So Edward needs a plan. And he uses that big juicy brain to help him. Okay. See, while he was in jail, when he was teaching all those people, didn't just throw that in there for colour. Oh, there was a point. <laughs> he befriended the son of the county's undersheriff. I love an undersheriff. Uh, we got undersheriffs. Yep, good. The okay. on toppy sheriff. He was <laughs> big boots. <laughs> He's got, he, he got far too fancy. The he did. Ideas above his station. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> his hat's just got too big. Um. <laughs> We're just carrying it around. Look at, <laughs> Look at me. I'm so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and the son of the undersheriff is like, going, I want that hat. One day. One day it'll be mine. <laughs> the son is Albert Jarvis. And he has been taught by Edward. Edward's been teaching him Greek and Latin, which is essential stuff in a jail. Yes. Mm. Well, a lot of lot of legal stuff goes on in Latin. So you probably need some Latin to get through all those law shenanigans. Most of the trials in the 1800s in upstate New York were conducted in Latin, actually. Yeah, yeah. And a little bit of Greek thrown in there just to kind of throw them off their game. Shut up. (laughs) You know what I mean. I I know what you mean. I don't think you do. (laughs) Edward also charmed Jarvis's mother, 
and such a positive effect he had on these two people that Edward was miraculously able to escape jail in 1857. We have a prison break on our hands. Well done. I say a prison break. He manages to slip his leg shackles and get through eight locked gates. He definitely had help. Yeah, it's not supposed to be prison break. It's a prison <laughs> let let out, really, isn't it? <laughs> go, run free. Go, just go. Go, look. I've opened all the doors. Go. There's a postscript that I found really funny in this, is that they were like, how did he get out? And like, obviously, the you know, the, the undershare of sun is going, I don't know. I don't know. But a locksmith comes to the jail and shows the county how easy it is to pick the locks and it must be so easy because the county instantly orders all the locks have to be changed (laughs) nice yeah you just need to push it literally just tap it once and these things fly open these are propped (laughs) up by a stick edward obviously shares his plans with young jarvis and his mother he will be in touch he will be in touch and off he goes he disappears into the wild of new york he's hunted of course his reward ranges from $500 to uh, $1,200. He's got a description. He's 5'10", 180 pounds, with a thick neck and a large head. Right. For the big Josie okay. brain. Well, yeah, needs a big head to go in. Yes, he's dragging the head along as he goes. <laughs> in a bag. He evades capture by using his big juicy brain. Maybe that was when it was in the pillowcase when it was on the back of the wagon. <laughs> we hope. Oh. Yeah. But he survived in the wilderness by eating... Uh, lots of wild walnuts. He eats wild nuts in upstate New York. And I looked it up and walnuts are native to upstate New York. Nice. Nice. I like it. We'll go with that. Well, another excuse to go into New York next year. To get all those wild nuts. Hunt yeah. some walnuts. Indeed. It's not just walnuts he lives on. He does steal food from farms. No, no, just walnuts. Just walnuts. They were delicious. They were t- tasty. He made many a cocktail. He also lost two toes to frostbite in his travel. So there you have toes. Ah, there you have toes. toes. Nice. Heads, walnuts, knees and toes. <laughs> this is getting weird. Yep, yep, it is. I know. Eventually he would reach Pennsylvania. I have to say it like that. Why? Why do you have to say <laughs> it's it like, like that? It's like Transylvania, but Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes, where all the vampires come from, Pennsylvania. Yeah, they do. <laughs> when he reaches Pennsylvania, he is calling himself James Nelson. At last, he's going to try and restart his life. He charms the staff at Jefferson College and he's offered a professorship there. Mm, oh my god it's so close but his past would catch up with him not how you might expect oh he is contacted by al jarvis the son of the undersheriff the young lad who helped him escape oh right okay yeah how he finds him don't know maybe he shared his plans a little bit too much but he says me and my mother we're destitute you need to help me yeah i let you out you're gonna have to help me so Mm, it was that edward and jarvis while he's on the run they team up and use robbery as a way to make ends meet. Now, this period of Edward's life, what follows is a series of petty crimes and arrests. And I'm going to skim over these details quickly because they really are a lot, but they are too fiddly and lengthy to cover in great detail here. Suffice (laughs) it to say, you would get annoyed about how many times this man could have been put away for life and wasn't. (laughs) He successfully appealed during this time against the second attempt at charging him with the murder of his daughter. That's just thrown out. He's maybe smart enough to do it. He escapes justice on that front, but he does end up spending two years in Sing Sing prison hey love sing sing mm-hmm. he meets a man there william billy dexter nice who would end up being another partner in crime so he's making connections through prison or beyond yeah. the good thing is while he's in sing sing he still has his manuscript that's the main thing that's it he's gonna make his fortune and he's gonna make his name as an academic and an expert in the field of language and he hears about the american philological 
association convention. There's a convention mm, fancy. nearby. He's going to send it off. He sends the manuscript off. The manuscript is entitled Method in the Formation of Language. His pseudonym, which I quite like, is Professor Yuri Lorio. Okay. That's just a collection of sounds. <laughs> I don't know why he chose that. He's certain that it's going to be re- embraced and revered in its field, so he's sensible. And he declares that he'll set the auction price at a mere $500,000. 500000 Half a Half million. A million dollars for right. this groundbreaking work that the convention is going to cause a riot over i'm a, i'm gonna take hazard a guess that he did not get half a million dollars for his manuscript didn't get half a million dollars what he did get was zero <laughs> no bids yeah no bids oh dear that's gonna be heartbreaking you yeah. think you've cracked all of language ever <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I have I have got to the bottom of all language in the history of the world. <laughs> and it is yours for the bargain price of five hundred thousand dollars and not one person is interested. Not no. even a, a random five dollar bid. No, just just for so I have some spare paper to burn. Oh that's good that's gonna be that's gonna hurt. The association rejects his claims and his work. It's not to say that he's not intelligent, but this work does not have the the impact, the devastating impact that he thought it would do. So his life really is in pieces now. His work has been discredited. He has a criminal record as long as his arm. He has no prospects, no chance. He is free. But what can he do? Mm. Can he carve out a respectable career? No. His old friend Dexter convinces him to rob a dry goods store. Ah, how the circle of life comes back. Oh, we always go back to dry goods. Dry goods. There's money in dry goods. (laughs) Everyone's been saying, just get into dry goods. His uncle was right. Get into dry goods, Just import pasta. You'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. They don't... Pasta will blow their minds. Him and Al Jarvis and his friend Dexter are going to rob this dry goods store. They're going to get some money. Everything will be fine. In 1870, they break into the store in Binghamton in New York. There are two live-in clerks, Frederick Merrick and Gilbert Burroughs. They are sleeping upstairs. The trio of robbers bore holes in the door of the shop and sneak in, sneak in, sneak in. Now, they know the clerks are asleep, so they come up with a really, really good idea. They are, this is quite ingenious, they're going to burn chloroform rather than smother them in the room that will knock them out. Okay. So they're not going to be, oh, I was smothered by, you know, a cloth over my mouth. Just the general fumes and they will just... Sleep gently. That's it. The plan is somewhat ruined by Jarvis going, ah, great plan. Turns around, walks into some furniture very loudly. (laughs) Nice. And the clerks wake up going, what the hell is going on? Like, ah, damn it. And a struggle breaks out. Merrick, one of the clerks, fires a gun at the robbers. It misfires, so he throws a stool at them instead. That's the same. <laughs> Burroughs jumps out of bed. He's he's fighting with Jarvis and Dexter. And soon all the men are entangled in a fight. Edward draws his own gun. And he fires two warning shots to say, break up the fight to get the clerks off his co-robbers. But when they fail to do so, Edward points the gun at Merrick's head and he fires point blank. Mm. And Frederick Merrick is killed instantly. The trio flee from the store, heading straight for the Chinogo River, where they're going to leap on the ferry. They're going to cross the river. They're going to get away from the land. It's all going to be fine. This is a big river, by the way. It's not Mm. any of our English rivers. No, No, it's a big one. Proper river. But when they get there, the boat has already sailed. So Ah. they miss the ferry. Desperate, the men fling off coats and boots and they dive into the river and attempt to cross. Edward manages to get to the other side but as he turns he sees Jarvis and Dexter exhausted, caught by the current and dragged under the water. Mm. 
and the two men would drown while Edward survived. Yes, I can't, I can't imagine he did a great deal to help them. Well, not really, no. you just got to get to the other side and it's just like, oh, okay, you're dead. You're dead now. But he's probably thinking, okay, one man's easier to hide than three. Mm. Oh, off I go. But he has left a vital clue in his wake, which is quite Cinderella-esque. His, his shoe? Yes, one of his boots. Okay. His boots that he has left... It's not that they can trace where the boot has come from or who might have bought it. It's got his name sewn into it. <laughs> yeah, he wrote it on side in a sharpie. <laughs> he invented that. That's why he's a genius. No, remember he lost two toes to frostbite? Oh, yeah. The boot has a really particular indentation. Cunning. Because of the toe missing. Very cunning. The authorities find this evidence and they start searching for suspects. Obviously, there's been a murder, there's been an attempted robbery. They're all over the place. Now, Edward is seen the next day. He doesn't help the cause the next morning. He arrives at the local train station. La la la, I'm just going to get on a train. He is asked quite rightly to identify himself. He says nothing and then runs straight across the train tracks and hides at an outhouse. Not at all suspicious, I feel. No, not at all suspicious. Entirely your usual behaviour when buying a train ticket. Exactly, that's fine. Outhouses aren't very big. As well it's the worst place to hide it's awful as well you're like okay well, we're just gonna knock on the door until you come out mate because <laughs> the police nab him on this suspicious robbery gone wrong that's what they've got him for they don't know anything about his past yeah you know he comes into the station fine okay we'll clear this up my name uh, it's charles augustus no actually it's george williams nice and while he's thinking of a third name he's viewing he's brought into view the bodies of Jarvis and Dexter they're brought out and everyone who comes in is like look at the bodies do you know these men he's like no 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 don't know them don't know them don't know them what was my name again Mm. yes it's George Charles Augustus Dexter but no not Dexter at all no 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 while he's doing that someone in the crowd one of the spectators who was there a judge Judge Ransom Bolcom oh good name Ransom. A Judge Ransom. Judge Ransom. I like that. He is standing there and he points to Edward and he says, you are Edward H. Roloff. You murdered your wife and child. And he turns to the police and says, this man understands his rights better than you do and will defend them to his last. Mm, oh, good on Judge. Again, coincidence there nails yeah. him. The bodies of Dexter and Jarvis are searched and they find the evidence they need over the course of a few days. The men, the dead men have the same train tickets that Edward has to the same destination. They find the address of a lawyer who knows Edward. They eventually find Edward's apartment and in there is all of the evidence of the guys planning <laughs> robberies and Edward's manuscript. A big pinboard full of like lines <laughs> yes. and dive. Yeah, this is where we break <laughs> in. This is where we yeah. use the chloroform. The plan. (laughs) Yes, don't walk into the credenza, Jarvis. I can't stress this enough. Apparently they even make him try on the boot. Oh, what? In a Cinderella (laughs) way. Will it fit? Oh, you shall go to the jail. (laughs) Nice. So finally, Edward will stand trial for the murder of Frederick Merrick and burglary in 1871. And it is a media sensation. Up to... 2,000 people are trying to get in to the, see the trial every day. Now, the trial itself, pretty straightforward, I would say. Uh, yes, there's, there's all sorts of back and forth, but the defence goes hard on the self-defence line. Edward shot Merrick because he was attacking Jarvis. Well, you guys broke in, so... Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Not a lot of self-defence going on there. And of course, they speak of Edward's intelligence. It's all a messy misunderstanding. All the stuff about Edward is coming out and he is again conducting part of his own defence. People are hearing about him. The jury takes just four hours to find him guilty and they sentence him to hang. But outside the courtroom, when the sentence is passed, the furore really begins. Because there are many people, the shuts, obviously, and the communities upstate who feel that Edward should hang for the crimes long ago that he committed. Mm. But the press... And a barrage of experts 
call for Edward's sentence to be commuted to life, he should not be hanged because of his intelligence. You're what now? What a promising young man. Oh, bollocks. Educated, brilliant man. No, 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 no. He should not be hanged for killing his goddamn wife and child. No, the media is in a frenzy. He is an expert in linguistics and language. Someone this intelligent. We can't hang him. We should study him. He should have a life sentence. He spoke, oh, 28 languages, they claim. His theories are groundbreaking. The long-crafted manuscript on the theories of the origins of language could have credible merit. Oh, the the experts and the writers come forward in all of the press saying that he should not be hanged. Edward, of course, is very vocal about it, saying his life's work must be published. You mentioned phrenology earlier. Mm. There's quite the chorus of armchair phrenologists. No one can get in and see him. They want to. Everyone wants to get in and see him. They say he doesn't have the skull or the bearing of a madman. No, no, (laughs) we can tell. I mean, we are. Case closed then, really. Exactly. So. And there have been subsequent studies of all of his claims and all of his works that people are saying, yeah, he, he was smart. He was pretty, pretty brainy. But does that justify commuting your sentence? No, I feel not. Well, you know who sort of had an opinion on it? Uh... Mark Twain. <laughs> okay. Mark Twain was not against the idea of him not being hanged, but he wrote a satirical piece, mostly commentary on the death penalty. But he wrote all about, you know, everything that people were writing out in all seriousness. Like, no, you can't possibly hang this man because he's smart. He offered in his piece to take Edward's place in the interests of learning and science. He should take his place on the gallows in, er- in order to right. preserve Edward's life. The matter of whether Edward should be saved due to the value of his work never mind whether he was sorry or not because he bloody wasn't Mm. was settled when a panel of expert academics was assembled nice and they were sent into prison to question him about his work a little bit of a you know like a thesis you know defend your thesis defend defend your thesis mate after some time the panel leaves the cell edward's lawyer is standing there he has pieces of paper he asks each of them will you now sign a petition to revoke his death sentence and they all said no absolutely fucking not there was no denying that he was intelligent and possibly a brilliant mind but his theories were outdated at best really they were kind of found foundless at worst he was behind the times in terms of how teaching had progressed in the field he was so arrogant that he thought his way of thinking was the best you know you can't disregard the fact that he was smart and he maybe he had some kind of fresh ideas but he just had that kind of mind of i am the greatest thing that's ever happened Mm. to this field of study his manuscript in the end was worthless Good. I'm glad. Nice little side note as well. When the verdict came in for the panel, the press now turn on Edward. Oh, he's no longer a genius. He's a fool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Source of ridicule. And behind his back, his lawyer tries to arrange for a panel to declare him insane. That's a So leap. he has another panel turn up. Yeah, another panel turn up and he's like, ah, oh, right, is this for my Nobel <laughs> Prize? Okay. Yeah, first few questions. Do you hear voices? Edward was furious. He refused to speak to this panel. He would not be declared insane. He refused. So the appeals and the attempts to get his manuscript published, to get this sentence turned over, would fall to nothing. Edward, in the end, became very dark in his outlook. Can imagine. Bitterly saying, you cannot kill an unquiet spirit. Making veiled threats that he would haunt the cells that he would come back and people would suffer for killing a wronged man. In his final days, like so many other killers, he would confess to killing his Mm. wife, Harriet. He never confessed to killing his daughter. What happened to the baby, no one knows. I think it's probably safe to assume. 
there were theories that the, the daughter was whisked away and lived happily ever after yeah, yeah exactly he gave his memoirs to uh, his friend who's a journalist edward hamilton ham freeman ham he called him so edward would go to the gallows on the 18th of march 1871 his final words changed depending on what newspaper you read the next day. Some say he said nothing. I prefer to believe that he did really say, hurry up, I want to be in hell in time for dinner. <laughs> oh, those are good last words. I like that. Oh, aren't they good? Aren't they good? Those are good. It's, yeah, it's unlikely are... he said them, but loads of people reported. No, he definitely said that. He definitely said that. But yeah, I'll go for that. When he fell, the neck snapped, but it did take about at least 10 minutes for, for the heart to stop. So, yeah, not pleasant. Mm. He was buried in an unmarked grave, but without his head. Oh, jolly. Because... Has it been studied somewhere? That big, juicy brain of his was extracted, (laughs) and it proved to be the second largest on record at the time. And it is still preserved and on display at Cornell University today. Nice. In a jar somewhere. Big formaldehyde-filled jar with a brain floating in it. There you go. Regardless of how bright and promising a man is, the most notable thing about him was that he is a cold-blooded killer and a criminal who only ever acted in his own self-interest and tried to use his big juicy brain to escape justice. (laughs) Oh, how very good. I like that story. There you go. It's a big one, yes. So there are loads and loads of books and all sorts of stories about this. I will hugely recommend, a lot of our true crime fans will know this, Tenfold More Wicked. The podcast covers this whole case in a series of episodes. It is brilliant. So I really recommend, if you like the story, go listen to Kate Dawson's take on it. It is fantastic. But there's lots of resources you can read, so I hope you enjoyed it. But yes, a a huge, big Mm. story that not many people know about. No, indeed. No, not many people know about at all, but no, excellent. I mean, how one person yeah. so desperately arrogant so though i did did like the i'll sell you the secrets of all things for five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> no we're, we're good thanks no we're, we're all right <laughs> you've just scrawled pictures of letters upside down does not make it that's, greek that's gotta that's gonna hurt that's yeah. gonna cut you deeply that one you think you've done the best work ever no nope absolutely <laughs> fucking not no it's uh some of the reports about it uh, before people delved into more detail a little bit later or, or sort of more recently, some of the older reports, they don't have as much research that they found, you know, of talking to the original family. And it just seems a little bit of, uh, oh, yes, oh, something may have happened in his past, but just the arrogance of him and everyone was just so astounded mm. by the fact that an intelligent man was in jail and had committed a crime. So it's a bit of it's it's like if you see someone of the aristocracy has committed a crime. Surely oh not. Oh my goodness, that's a that's a rare case. We can't kill them because we need to understand why that would happen. This is this is a gentleman. He's an intelligent man. He should know not to kill people. Yes, he fucking should. <laughs> so should everyone, really. But um... <laughs> well, really, you would hope. You would oh, hope. Yeah. You would hope. His last words. I really hope. They I mean, were. they were they were excellent last words. I have to say. I mean, I have to remember those yeah. ones because I've run them down somewhere. Because, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going for. In, in case you're ever hanged, <laughs> well, what? <laughs> you can say that at any time, but like, if you're delayed at the post office. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, I want to be in hell and have for dinner. Yes, stamps? Yes, give me the stamps. <laughs> yeah, you can use that in many situations. I like it, as well as being on the gallows. But I think they're... Uh, <laughs> 
alternative <laughs> scenarios. Use them, take them, take the Absolutely. words and use them wisely. Use them wisely. <laughs> I will acknowledge that I've used the reference for a promising young man. This is a direct reference to, yes, there's been a lot of modern cases, some involving sexual assault. I'm not trying to make light of that. Just the idea that a man who is intelligent, he should not be punished yes. for his crimes. What a waste that would be if he, if he was imprisoned or killed. What a, what a waste. What, what marvellous things he might be able to achieve. For... What a waste of a brain. What about the lives that he yeah, has ruined? Absolutely. The families that he has ruined, the, the, the lives that he took and the absolute devastation that he has caused was not regarded. Mm. Yes, certainly other people shouted about it, but a, mo- a lot of the academics were going, no, we need to study his brain. Oh, fuck yeah. off. Whether you agree with the death penalty or not, I don't think that was a valid argument at the time. Going, but he's smart. And it's not now because it's still it's an argument that's still used today. Yeah. How many people from the wrong side of the tracks, people without his privileges, people of colour, people of all sorts of backgrounds were sentenced to death without a second's thought. Indeed. Regardless of their intelligence. So yeah, yeah, it's it is mm. it is a lesson for the time Indeed. one we should never forget. Absolutely not. And his big juicy brain can fuck up. <laughs> it's at Cornell University. Everyone go to Cornell University, demand to see the brain, go fuck off to it. And then poke it. Okay. <laughs> How was dinner? Oh, it was awful. They served brains. It was ironic. <laughs> But did they serve a Roosevelt cocktail? Did they? They should have done. They should have done. <laughs> well, the Roosevelt cocktail. Resounding success. I like that. I yeah, sipped that good. merrily. No, that was a good one. That's... What do you think, people? What do you think of the story of Edward Roloff? Do you think... Oh, God. Is there any merit in his story? I mean, we're really leaning on the side of... Nope. Nah. Nope, nope, nope. But yeah, do you know the story? Do you know more legends and tales of this? Share your thoughts about it. Come and tell us about it. Do you think... He should have eaten different kinds of nuts when he was on his <laughs> travels. Expanded to berries, maybe. Maybe there was not the choice there. Maybe did he eat a calf's brain while running around and stealing from farms? Because he you think never he know. did. Did you know, I mean, some people don't think he was guilty. Do you think he wasn't guilty? He bloody was. <laughs> yeah, he really was. He really, really was. By all means, share your own manuscripts or theories about the origins of language. I mean, we all do it after a few white wines. Yeah, absolutely. We've nailed language at certain points. So do share your own theories and we will credit them and we will give you $500,000 if we are amused by them mildly. Sinead will. I would. <laughs> so if you haven't already, come and find us on Patreon for but $5 a month, £4.50. Come and talk to us anytime. Patreon is completely flexible, so you can dip in and out as you see fit. But there's loads of extra episodes on there, at least 46 extra episodes you could be accessing. Crazy not to. So talk to us if you need some more information. We're going to share some stuff on social media as well, but the British Podcast Awards are out and some of you have been beautiful in nominating us for the Listener's Choice Awards. Do check out on social media. I will share some posts, but if you are minded and you have time to nominate us for any Listener's Choice Awards for a podcast out there, please do so. We really, really appreciate it. It gets us a little bit more recognition. So we hope you can give the Roosevelt cocktail a go. Um, it is very splendid. It, it's, it's a potent one, but it's lovely so do give it a go let us know what you think on the instagram and the facebook send us some pics of your concoctions or do you have an alternative nut-based beverage um that would be that would be good i'm intrigued to try them so let us know and send pictures because we love to see the pictures and we will share them on our stories or wherever we access social media for that day Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.